Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. What up, world? Welcome to all new episode of Comedy Gold Mines, where we do what? Where we get inside the minds of brilliant comedians, and oh my God, what amazing minds they are. And today, well today, today we got an amazing mind. We also have an amazing personality. We got an amazing spirit. We got an all-around good fucking guy, man. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Fluffy, a.k.a. Gabriel Iglesias, to the show. What's going on with you, Gabe? A brilliant mind. That's, uh, thank you. <laughs> brilliant mind. I consider every comedian, every comic, I do not care who you are. I do not care what you do. If you are in the space of comedy, if you're in the space of laughter and, and developing, providing, somehow bringing it to people, you have a brilliant mind because this is not an easy job. Mm-hmm. And this job that we have, this show is about making people understand the people, the individual, the, the, the brain behind the movement and the machine. And goddamn, man, amazing minds you have. So I mean it when I say it, Gabe. How you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm a, a little groggy. Forgive me if, I'm, <clears throat> if I keep doing that. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of early. <laughs> it's kind of early for me. I was I was talking oh, really? to some of your uh, crew earlier about when do you breathe? Because honestly, your I- schedule <laughs> is so exhausting. I look at your <laughs> schedule and I'm like, how is it that Kevin's doing a movie, doing a TV show? He's on live right now and he's working out. There's like <laughs> got to be 19 Kevin Hart's. I am a very busy guy, man. I'm I'm an active an active person, but I, I, I love it. I thrive off of it. I need to move. I'm one of those people that just can't sit down. What about you? What time does your day start? Are you a late riser? Oh, man, I'm, a, I'm somebody that needs a nap. Really? <laughs> <laughs> a nap is crucial. Give me your ideal time. What time do you wake up? What, what time are you getting up? Well, uh, let's see. Normally when I get up, it's probably around 10 o'clock in the morning. And the reason it's 10 o'clock in the morning when I get up is because I usually go to bed around 3 to 4 in the morning. Okay. Uh, I, I function better at night. I feel more lucid at night. I feel a lot better at night. And so, yeah, I'm, I got the hamster hours. So at nighttime, though, when you say you function at night, what are you doing? In the middle of the night, are you just up? Are you a, Are you watching TV? Are you in the streets? Are you in the studio? What is the What does the nighttime provide for you? What where, where does the energy come from, and why? Well, I think it depends on uh, the time of the week because you know uh, there's certain time of the week where I'm on tour, on the road, I'm in a different city, uh, in a hotel room, on a tour bus. Uh, it's right after the show. Uh, sometimes the shows end eleven. The other night I had the show end right at midnight. So there's that come down period of, you know, before you go to bed. And then uh, during the, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm usually home. Okay. And so most of the time I spend it either on social media, just, you know, finding out there's, you know, going back and forth with uh, fans or, uh, you know, seeing what's on TV. 
Love it. Okay, so right now, you're on the road right now, uh, Gabe. Was it immediately after the pandemic? Did you just, like, pick right back up, go right into it? Or was there a second of, like, getting familiar with the stage again, you know, getting your jokes and shit together? How fast did you go out? Uh, well, I was off for over a year. Uh, I think all of us, none of us could really get into it. Um, yeah. Some of us had to get extra creative. By the way, I love the, the fact that you pulled that off. I'm like, oh, you still found a way to do stand-up. <laughs> God damn it. So, uh... <laughs> You know everybody watches you, right, Kev? Everybody watches you. Hey, like, man. what is he doing? How's he doing? What, what's he up to now? I put that shit together, Gabe. I did it in, I put it together in two in two months for my listeners. He's talking about don't fuck this up. And literally, we were sitting around and I figured out a way to go work on material. But I was like, right now, people want content, they want IP. If I can figure out a safe way to do it and prepare for it. I'm, I'm going to try it. So the challenge for me was just doing it in that short period of time. You know, you're talking about like 45, 50 days. I put the set together and I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot it. It was, that was me and my, my adjustment to the now, right? This is what the world was going through. So how do I adjust? How do I put something out there? That's how I did it. Yeah. And I was getting a uh, pressure from Netflix because I was supposed to deliver a new special in September of 2020. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where, uh, once there was an opportunity to perform somewhere, because the whole country, whole world was closed, but there was two states that basically uh, did, didn't acknowledge COVID. Exactly. Like Texas. Yeah. And Florida. Florida. Yeah. Two little rebels. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what COVID. So I said, you know what? I can't do anything in California. So I had an idea that, uh, okay, how about I do a residency somewhere? You know, we'll do a whole thing where we got this COVID protocol where everybody stays in the bubble, same group of people. We had doctors on deck, actually had like, you know, people testing uh, every day to make sure everyone's safe. Holy shit. And so we said, we're going to do 30 shows in 30 days in San Antonio, Texas. And then on the 30th day, we'll shoot a new Netflix special. And so this way, you know, I get to get warmed up again, have 30 consistent shows. We're not going anywhere. We're not on planes or trains. It's the same car going back and forth. We rented a house and it was the same people in the house. I told everybody it was like the Mexican version of the real world because it's just all like, hey, come on, cabrón. Yeah, it was like we're all hanging out together. And uh, unfortunately, on the 27th day, I tested positive for COVID. I managed to get COVID somehow Holy shit. out there. And it's weird because we had a, a team of 30 people with all the crew and production and everybody. I was the only one that got sick. So we still don't know who I got COVID from. The only people I came in contact with really were um, media. Mm -hmm. I did I did some interviews and stuff to promote the shows uh, in San Antonio. But other than that, man, it's like, how the hell did it happen? How was your battle with COVID? Was it, was it a tough one or, was, or were you okay? No, actually... Um, the first night that, that I felt something, I went up on stage and I felt as good as I feel right now. And mm -hmm. in that short span of like an hour and a half, when I got off stage, I had chills, body aches, and I was really, really just, I was cold. And I'm not a person that's cold. I'm always complaining about how hot it is. And so mm -hmm. um, I had my tour manager that put a blanket on me. I was freezing and it still had a second show. So they came in and they tested me and I tested negative. And so they're like, okay, you, you don't have COVID because we're testing you and it's negative. Um, I thought it was low blood sugar okay. because, you know, I'm diabetic. So sometimes when my sugar drops, I get chills or I get a little bit like loopy. Okay. And so we thought that that's what it was. And uh, no, man, it was a day of body aches and chills. And then two days later, that's when the test showed that I was positive. So unfortunately, you know, these rapid tests, if you're, if you, if you just get COVID, it's probably not going to show up. It's not going to detect it. Yeah. And it wasn't until all my symptoms went away that it showed up positive. What I love is that you figured out a way to, you know, be creative in a time where creativity was shut down. 
right? So, you know, I applaud those that figured out a way to still say, well, I'm going to safely work on my craft and safely have a goal in an agenda, right? I'm going to put this plan together and let's see if I can safely achieve said goal. Um, and you work in there and get into the 27th day, man, that's fucking, that's a bummer, you know, that you got that far and that you couldn't get to the 30th day. Yeah. So what, what happened? What did you end up doing with the material? Um, well, I couldn't, um, you know, we had to basically shut everything down. Once I tested yeah. positive, everything, pull the plug, you know, Netflix and, you know, all the phone calls were made and it's like, oh, flights were canceled. Yeah. Go home. Okay. And uh, yeah, I had to go into quarantine for 10 days. And uh, after that, you know, we're trying to figure out how do we, how do we go back on the road? Because little by little, certain states started allowing uh, live performances. Mm -hmm. And when we did the, the, the residency in San Antonio, the shows were still socially distant. So what we would do is we'd sell packs. So like, let's say eight people want to come see the shows and a group of eight would have their area. And then we'd put two seats empty in between. And then that next group. And so it was all spaced out. And uh, we, we figured that that was probably the safest way to play it. And, you know, Texas is Texas. So they, they did what they did. But as soon as they started opening up the doors for us to perform in other states, uh, we just started booking as much as we could and, and said, hopefully things will get better. We're, we're betting on that, that the doors are going to open and the, the, the venues are going to allow people to come in and sit together. And, you know, every, every state had the rules with the mask, mm -hmm. uh, with, with uh, uh, vaccination cards. There's some places that, that it's a big deal. Like San Francisco, everyone in the building was vaccinated. Yeah. You have to show proof of vaccination. And there's some places where it's optional. <laughs> We'll take your word for it. No, it's some, some places where they don't even know it was a pandemic in some places. There's there's some places where you got to remind them. No, you know we're going through some shit, right? Oh, no, I didn't. These people just, they're just out. Or, or this is the COVID test. Do you have a temperature? No, come on in. Come on yeah. in. All right, well, get in here. Get your ass in here and sit down. Let's talk about you being one of the hardest working comics uh, today. I mean, you know, Gabe, I, I don't think that there's another comedian that has been consistently um, headlining at, at, at such a, at such a steady, steady, successful pace. Like your, your, your burn rate, right? Because I watch, I, I know the venues you do. I, I know how long you go on tour. And the same things you said to me when you're like, yo, Kevin, when do you break? When do you stop? Like Gabe, you got a fucking engine that doesn't stop either. You, you're pretty fucking, you're pretty consistent. Um, do you go 365 or what's your shutdown time? Like when you're on the road, when do you shut down and say, okay, I'm going to take a little break and then get back out there again? Uh, well, aside from COVID, which is the longest break I ever took, uh, um, I don't, I don't take vacations. I don't like taking breaks because I, I have that mentality where, you know, I recognize having an opportunity and you have to strike while the iron's hot because you never know that opportunity could go to somebody else. If you're not ready to work for it and ready to get into it, mm. you know, I'm on the road 47 weeks out of the year. Mm. That's my mark right there. 47 weeks. And the rest of the time is just us planning things or me working on a TV show or working on whatever else I can, you know, uh, get into at that time but 47 weeks is normally the the route and uh i you know i work holidays so i always do a show on christmas working new years birthdays anniversaries it doesn't matter you know because if there's work i want to i want to do it because uh, i can't why is that i think it's just uh programming from when i was a little kid my mom would always tell me you know you have if there's a chance of work work is, is not easy it doesn't come easy and if you get an opportunity you need to take it don't ever waste an opportunity mm. my mom would always tell me don't waste an opportunity and if you have a chance to grow make yourself better provide for your family get yourself to another place 
do it. Now, when you say your mom, uh, was your father around? Or was it just you and your mom? No, it was just uh, just mom and myself. My, my dad, uh, you know, it was one of those things where, I, you know, the, the more I, I, I think about it, the more people I talk to, the more I realize, yeah, uh, you know, my father was a, a musician. He was a mariachi. He was an entertainer. He was a guy that was on the road a lot. Okay. And so I knew him briefly. <laughs> and then I met him again 30 years later. And, you know, for the longest time, I had this thing where I'm like, forget this dude. This guy's a punk. You know, he wasn't there for me, this and this and that. But I didn't know the whole story. And now being a person who's an entertainer, who's seen a certain lifestyle, who's seen certain things, I have a better understanding of, you know, where he was coming from. And so uh, yeah, I, I, the questions I had was was very minimal. Here's a question. I mean, you know, you you. Growing up, you know, uh, in a single parent household, right? Your mom holding it down, and of course, instilling this, this, this. I mean, behavior that's so present right now, which is, which is one of look, put something, put your mind to something, finish it, work, go out there and get it. Like there's a, there's an ambition about you, right? And it, it comes from somewhere. It was instilled in you. Um, the things that you're saying about your dad that you now realize, uh, but him not being around, you know, you are our parent, right? Don't you have kids, Gabe? A son, right? How old is your son now? He's gonna be 25 next week. 25 next week. Um, your relationship with your son and you being on the road you know do you talk to your son has it has it ever seemed that like it affected him in any way i mean through the years of dedication that you put into your craft was there ever a void or feeling of a void that came from him to you anytime you're not around for certain you know certain things there's always going to be that feeling of like oh i could have been around more i could have done more but i mean i i feel like um you know, I've had a, a, enough conversations with him over the years where, you know, he understood what I was doing. And also, also too, technically, I'm, I'm technically his stepfather, you know, so okay. he saw what it was like before and he saw what it was like with me. And it was a difference in, you know, the environment. And when I say the environment, I don't just mean like, oh, a bigger house or a better lifestyle. I mean, just the environment of the, the peace and the happiness that was in the house. And, and the, you know, I didn't, I didn't bring added drama to the environment. I was always just trying to be supportive, helpful. If anything, I just, I, I feel like I might've pushed him a little bit too much. Okay. Like, come on, man, you got, you got, I, I would do to him what my mom would do to me. You have all these opportunities. You have 10 times more opportunities now than what I had. Mm -hmm. Why are you wasting them? And so there was a lot of those conversations and, uh, but he knows I mean, well, he knows that I love him mm -hmm. and it's, it's, you know, as long as he knows that, then, you know, we're, we're good. But yeah, there was certain times I wish I could have been there for a birthday. Uh, I made it a point to be there for his graduation. I said, Hey, you better graduate. Cause I'm gonna take some time off. I'm gonna take some time off. <laughs> hey, you know, I don't do that. So if I take some time off, yeah, it's better goddamn graduate. Don't have me miss a date. They better hand you the paper. You better wave. You better take the little thing and go over here. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. 
What about, let's talk about your, your loyalty, man. Um, you know, I know there was uh, a period of time where you had the same group of guys around you, right? Like you toured with uh, the same group. And I remember I remember at a comedy club, uh, I'm trying to think of what comedy club it was, but I believe we were in San Francisco. And I remember watching you perform. Punchline. Yes, we were at the Punchline. And after the show, you had such a business. You had such a business going after the show where you had a machine and the machine was producing the, was it the CDs or DVDs? It was something, but you were, you were putting them in the machine. The machine was spitting them out. You said, after the show, this is how we make them. We sell about X, Y, and Z amount of them. I go out there with the fans. I make sure I say hi. They come, they buy, but your team knew the system. Everybody played the major role. And it wasn't just about the stand-up. It was about the business that happened around the stand-up and after the stand-up. That I paid attention to way back then. Way back then, I was like, fuck, he's not just making money here. He found a way to make money here. And Gabe, you've always been a business, like from the shirts to the to the fluffy characters, to the to the brand and things that you created around who you are. Where did that come from? Where did the where did the insight idea, insight and idea come in within that opportunity? I'm going to go grab the other things that I don't think other people are taking advantage of that you do so well. Um, you know what? I'm a really big fan of professional wrestling. Uh, professional wrestling for okay. me, like I grew up watching it. I loved everything about it. I loved the, the characters in the ring. I loved the ambiance. I loved just everything about it. And I loved the business side of it. I loved the merchandise. I loved just all of that and, and how everything is, is, is put out there in a way where it's like, here's the show. And then here's the extras. And so um, mm -hmm. I followed the Vince McMahon little uh, <laughs> way of doing business back in the day. Cause I've always had jobs where, you know, we're, we're working in retail and stuff like that. So I did have that, that, you know, that uh, experience. And I just knew that there was more to it than just me going up and doing the, uh, you know, doing the show. People still wanted to be around. People mm -hmm. still wanted to take some of that home with them. And the first thing I did was mm -hmm. that CD. So I, I would record a show and then I bought a CD burner. And this is how ghetto I was back then. I remember I, I bought a CD burner on the road. And then I go to a store and buy a big old spindle, you know, a spindle of, of blank uh, CDs. And we burn them, we record them all, it. you know, and sell them. And then at the end of the week, I would return the, the CD burner to the to Circuit City or Best Buy or wherever it was. I so remember we it, do man. That so we wouldn't have to carry around this machine so that we could always crank them out. And instead of spending the money, I reinvested it and just got better things to, to make. And so it's like the CD turned into a t-shirt, turned into two t-shirts, turned into a warehouse, turned into a double wide warehouse, turned into a, a building. And it's like, you know, we started growing the brand and- um, Well, let me, let me stop you right there because I want people to, I want to make sure that people listen to what you're saying, right? Like when he's saying warehouse for my listeners and then he's saying a double warehouse and he's saying he, he, he bought things and these things were basically used to create the product that he was selling. He would then take that money invest that money back into better product that better product sold more he then took that money and invested it into stationary uh things or or buildings that could then house the product that he was selling in such high volume you you just understood and i'm telling you gabe this is something that a lot of the people in our craft don't don't get and don't understand you understood early that 
you had a fan base and this fan base was following you and responding to you and they loved you to the point to where everything that you put in front of them they wanted to have like that's a that's a talent within itself and then and then having the 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 knowledge and understanding to say i have to build things around around who I am that are going to last. Like, that's what I'm so impressed with. The warehouse, the other warehouse. I mean, how many do you have? Do you have two now? No, now it's just a straight up building. And the building houses your business, the world of Gabriel. It's, it's, it houses the business and it's a, it's, it's a combination. So it's like, I call it because it's where I collect the, keep all the cars yeah. and the toys and the business. So I, I call it Mexican Graceland. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you go to Graceland, man, you can see the whole uh, Elvis whole thing. Yes. But then, hey, don't forget to stop by the gift shop. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is where, I mean, I, I've seen the things that are in your warehouse. I mean, your, your, your Volkswagen collection is one, one to just be in awe of, you know, I'm a car collector as well, man. But, uh, I mean, just the con the conversation around you and your Volkswagen collection is, is insane. Why, why Volkswagens? Uh, it was my first car. Uh, it was my first car. And it was one of those things where, um, I had gotten my, uh, my girlfriend back her, her first car. She had, a, I got her, her first car but not the original one uh but an actual a replica of her first car okay i saw how happy she was and i go there's no reason why she should be more happy than me <laughs> <laughs> so i told the guys that got the car for her i said hey if you guys ever come across the volkswagen i told the year and the type and they had it within a day and i was like oh my god and they're like if you ever want anything else let us know and it's, it's jay leno's guys yeah so jay leno man he started that he's the one the reason why i got a car collection was he, he, he's the one that said, what are you doing with your money? And I was like, well, and I mentioned all the things that I was up to. And he goes, well, you should invest in other things, but you should invest in fun. And I'm like, mm. tell me more. And he's like, I enjoy my collection. He goes, everything that's here, if I were to sell it, it's worth double. Yeah. He goes, but I'm enjoying my investment. And I'm like, I like what you're saying. And so one Volkswagen led to two, three, four, five, and then filled up a, a warehouse full of cars. How many do you have now? How many Volkswagens? Probably 30. 30. And are they all uh, mint condition? Are they built? Um, do you go and you start from the ground up, chassis, et cetera, and do the whole nine? Or are you finding them in mint condition? They're all pimped up. Yeah. They're just totally fixed up. I, I got a guy that actually works on all the cars. His name's Henry Marchana. He's, he's awesome. He's, he's, he's the guy that, uh, you know, when they when they release magazines with all these different cars in them, mm -hmm. he's usually the one responsible for making these cars pretty. Oh, and they're, they're all functional. And yes, I fit in all of them because that's always a question. <laughs> like your big ass fitting in Volkswagens? Yes, yes, they I fit in the Volkswagens, and they all run. They all go on the free. <laughs> but uh, that's part of it too, because again, you know, it's it's an investment, but I enjoy it. I enjoy the cars, and the, you know, it's I'm trying to find ways to enjoy. Uh, the fruits of my labor ah. because I, I do a lot and I'm always trying to like, okay, what else can we do? What else can we do? And uh, I try to have fun with certain things yeah. like, you know, with the Funko Pops, for example. Um, that was a big thing. I tried to get uh, in business with that company a few years ago and they didn't have a comics edition. They had television, film, icons, cartoons, but they didn't have comics. And so I reached out to them and they were like, well, we know who you are, but we don't have a comics edition. So you know, and then I tried it again an, another year later. And I, uh, at this point, I had hired somebody who was uh, really strong in retail. Mm -hmm. And she made the phone call and she said, look, this is the, these are the numbers. This is the business. This is what he does. This is what we bring to the table. And they said, look, we, we like what you're saying. We still don't want to um, license anything. But if you would if you would like to uh, spend money, we'll make the product for you. And it's a minimum order of basically a, a semi truck worth of Funkos. 
And uh, so I, I did it. I spent the money and I, I, you know, I bet on myself and the sucker sold out. And then they got mad that they didn't get the licensing. And so a lot of times you have to bet on yourself when other people aren't going to do Fuck it. Fuck yeah. You got to invest and spend the money on you. How many did you sell? Oh, man, we're, we're probably somewhere around 80,000 units. 80,000? Yes. Did you say you fucking sold 80,000 Funko goddamn? Uh... <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Gabe. Over, over how much time? Uh, about two years. Gabe. And that was actually during COVID where we were doing it online because that's the only way we could sell them. But usually, you know, at the shows, when people, people want to take something home, and then, you know, with the Funkos, man, who doesn't want to take those home? The kids, adults, everybody collects those. Gabe, that's huge. That's so, man, that is so dope. That's so fucking dope, man. And and I love that you said you got to be okay with betting on yourself. And not everything's going to work. Not a, no, you're going to fail. But you don't know until you try. But you going but listen, what what is the point of having a talent realizing how good you are within your talent and not taking the risks that make you even more excited to do more shit with your talent. Right? Like the risk, the the reward and the risk is confidence. It's confidence. You saying that somebody kept saying no, and you said, all right, well, I get why you're saying no, but shit, if they allow us to do it, and they say that they can develop it for us, and we pay them, fuck it. Fuck it, I'm going to go that route. And in their eyes, they're like, hey, what idiot wants to do this? Go give it to him. Give him a truck full of them. Let him deal with it. We don't want to license it. Give it to him. That's his problem. In their mind, that's their win. But your win is like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to do it this way. I'm just going to do it, and I like the hustle. I like the energy and hustle that I got to put into now moving these things. And then you mm -hmm. move them. You move them. 80,000 fucking units, man. That's a fucking number, Gabe. <laughs> Thanks, man, that's impressive, man. Good for you. Good for fucking you. What else is it that you want? Like, what, what's on... What's on the vision board? What's the next goal? I mean, you know, you you're you're steady. Um, like I said, your your success level and and the the time that you have you have been steady within the success level. Like you you don't lose. And what I mean by that is your your people love you and you look like you're having fun doing what you're doing. I mean, goddamn, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're about to perform at a fucking stadium, Dodger Stadium, right? So, uh, yeah, Netflix, uh, I didn't get a chance to do that special in San Antonio because I got in sick with COVID, but Netflix still says we needed a special. And uh, I had been away from the LA market for, God, three years now. And we said, well, you know what? I got to do something that's bigger and better than the last thing I did. You always got to make something bigger and better because if not, then, you know, hey, yeah, yeah. So I says, well, I've never done it. I've only seen one other person do something at that level. And I was actually at the taping of your uh, of your special. Uh, what now in, in Philadelphia? I was row two sitting oh behind in Marasaka. I was oh sitting behind God, Marasaka. Man. Gabe, <laughs> Gabe, I was there for that, that, man. That was very inspiring to see that, Kev. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm just looking around this football stadium and I'm just like, wow. And the energy and and it was just it was so uh, impactful. And I'm like, man, to do something like that, that's like, even just to do an, a, a, an arena, which now sounds mm -hmm. like, you know, like there's no way to envision that as a, as a comic, the, uh, the only dreams I had when I first started was I just want to quit my day job. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. there was no, Oh, I want to play Madison square garden, or I want to do this arena or this venue, or maybe one day play where football teams play. There's how do you even think of that? Mm -hmm. So the fact that I was there and I saw it, I said, man, that'd be awesome to you know, be able to do that one day. You know, uh, I says, I want to do something big in L.A. 
And uh, the last couple of times I did Staples and I said, well, if we're going to do a Netflix special, I want it to be the biggest special I've ever done. And so we decided to do Dodger Stadium. I love it. I love it. I'll say it again. I love it. Why not? Like, if you got a star and you can shoot for that bitch, I say grab it with two hands. You know, and the beauty of comedy, when you talk about betting on yourself, me doing that stadium, that's what that was. You know, I, I said, I'll, I'll go and I'll, I'll do the special there. I'll fund it. I'll produce it. I'll, I'll pay for it. It's, it's fine. It's Philadelphia. I feel like my city's going to come out. I feel like they're going to show up. And they did. Like, that's a, there's no feeling like the feeling of just like love and appreciation, especially from where you're from. Like, that's, that's the when biggest you get compliment. You it at home. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the biggest compliment, Gabe. And I love it. Like you said, you coming back here in LA, you want to do something big uh, for all of my listeners. Like, this is not something that's like that, that, that you just talk by. This is not something that I can just move by quick and go on to the next part of the podcast. This, this is a big moment for my guy, man. It's a big moment. And the key thing that he said was, he said, for him, I want to do the biggest special that I've ever done here in L.A. For him, for you to have that. Like, these are the wins that you put together for you. At the end of the day, you know, we look back at this road that we've been on for so long. This is this a fucking hard, it's a hard job. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hard job. You, this man just told you he goes 47 weeks and weekends out the year. You know, this man said he's on the road. He's he's gigging. That's a hard job. So you gotta put your you gotta put your fun. You gotta put your your moments, your your pedestals, your your things that make you pat yourself on the back. And Gabe, this is definitely one of them, man. I swear to you, brother. I'm 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 so blown away by just your 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 mindset and approach to the craft. I, I truly am, man. That's a big fucking deal, Gabe. A big deal. Good for you. When is it? When are you doing it? Uh, we're doing it Mother's Day weekend, uh, May 2022. 20, uh, um, I want to say it's May 7th. So it's, it is Mother's Day weekend. And uh, yeah, man, fingers crossed. Are tickets on sale already? <laughs> tickets on sale uh, December 8th. The tickets go on sale. All right. Well, December 8th then. I'll make sure people know it. Those tickets will be on sale December 8th, man. This man is coming home at a goddamn stadium. It hasn't been done. It hasn't been done. So be in the building and be a part of history. This is history, man. So now I got to ask you, because you're probably the only person I can ask. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to do a comedy club. It's another mm -hmm. thing to do a theater. It's definitely another thing to do an arena. But when you're doing a space that's so massive, how did you feel with your timing? You know what? I, if you remember at that show, Gabe, I made it intimate. So remember those big ass, like I had those big huge, ass screens, screens. huge Right, I remember getting a budget for this show, and I was like, "Wait a minute, well, what? Well, hold on for for screens. Why? Did, why am I paying this much?" And it's like, you want the quality to be clear. You want, you know, a high definition uh, digital board so that people can see clear and be a part of the the experience. Because my biggest thing was. I want everybody to have a good seat. So I had the two screens that was attached to the stage on the side. And then in the middle, I had another one in the screen. So there were, there were screens. And what I found was we amplified the sound system as well because I wanted it to feel intimate. Like you don't want to feel like you got to yell. And that's what happens. Like some people perform in these big venues and they feel like they got to yell, but you don't. With the right sound system, the right setup, you talk and you'll find these people are engaged. And Gabe, there's nothing like the first laugh that's going to come at you when you're in that stadium. Because the first laugh is so comforting because you feel it in a wave. 
it starts in the back and you fucking feel it. Like you, you feel that lay, you feel that laugh get bigger as it gets closer to you and you go, Oh, I'm okay. Oh, I'm going to be okay. This isn't, this, there's no difference. Right. And, and sometimes people try to make it a difference just because of the size, but there isn't like, as long as you're comfortable in your flow, you don't have to rush. You don't have to do anything outside the norm. They're with you. It's just a bigger venue. So you don't get the immediate impact that they are. It's a discovery. As you go, you're like, these motherfuckers are rolling the whole time. Like, this is this is dope. And then I got to see, like, I had monitors um, that were, like, off to the sides uh, that were in, like, the three-quarter sections of the on my right and my left. So I could see the fans' faces. Like, I had cameras popping. So I could see the faces laughing and stuff um, in, in sporadic moments throughout the set as well. So, you know, I think with your setup and you shooting the special, you know, you can do as many cameras as you want. Make sure that you cover that fucking room. Make sure that yes. you make it intimate, though. Like, your, your, your fan base loves you. They love you. So they're going to come out. They're going to come out. You don't have to change anything, man. Nothing at all. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. I want to know, where the fuck did Fluffy come from? How did you come up with Fluffy? Uh, well, it was a nickname, you know, growing up, just a Fluffy. And, uh, you know, I, when I started talking about it on stage, you know, my whole goal was my last name, Iglesias, is already famous. Whether Enrique had it or Julio had it, Iglesias has already been a, a name that's been around. And I said, I just got to work on Gabriel. And mm. I figured, you know what, there's only been one other famous Gabriel comedian, which is Gabe Kaplan, mm-hmm. that I know of. And so I said, you know what? I think, I think I got a good chance of building this name up. But then when I started doing the joke about being I'm not fat, I'm fluffy mm-hmm. and, and talking about that, that was a nickname. At the end of the shows, people wouldn't say you're funny, Gabriel, or hey, Iglesias guy that always say, hey, fluffy. And I hated that shit. I'm like, no, that's not my name. <laughs> but at the time, I only had like 10 minutes of material. So I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it was killing me. So eventually I learned to embrace the word fluffy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I had a friend who was really good at, at early social media and learning how to uh, uh, put algorithms out into the internet. And he, uh, he basically helped me brand that on the internet. So it's like now, even now, if you put in fluffy on the internet, I come up before anything. I come up before bunnies, quilts, comforters, cotton candy. I'm the number one fluffy thing on the internet. And to, to be able to do that, that was like, wow. This is what I mean when I say your business, your business sense and just your mind. That's what I'm talking about. Like you having a friend and a friend doing that for you and having the wherewithal to understand algorithms and, and searches and what should come up. So you're getting fans that don't even know what and who you are by you being the first thing on a search because after it comes up, there is a click to your name just to see. That's insane. Um, what does Gabe want to do next, though? What do you want to do, man? Uh, Kevin, honestly, if, you know, for me, I I think that I've been, uh, for the goals that I've set for myself, whether it was, you know, just doing comedy, which is my love and my passion, uh, being able to, you know, get into television or even do a little bit of film. My goal right now is basically my health. I just want to make sure that I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm okay and that I can continue to do what I love to do. And if I can maintain, that'd be awesome. Okay. But I know that my health is, is questionable, not only to my fans, but the people around me and definitely to myself. And I, I know that I need to get in a better place there. Okay. I know that I work really hard and I've built this you know, impressive, whatever you want to call it. 
but I don't think that I've given myself enough of that attention. And so I feel like I need to start working on me. If anything, the, the pandemic gave me a year off to, uh, to actually start going to doctors and start trying to figure out, you know, what was going on with me because I, I mentioned I'm diabetic. Mm -hmm. And so I got myself on a good plan. Now I got a, I got an implant that I switch every other week uh, to maintain my blood sugar mm -hmm. and make sure that I'm, I'm doing all right. And uh, you know, I was able to lose about 70 pounds, which uh, shit, I'm yeah. still big. I'm still big, good but shit. I lost half a person. Good shit, man. That's good shit. <laughs> so I, I, I wanna, I wanna, I definitely wanna, um, you know, improve my my quality of life. Not, you know, just again with surroundings, but what's inside. And so I think that I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish. I just need to fix me. I love that, man. Um, when you say when you say what you just said, I mean the biggest thing that I'm hearing is just self aware, right? And and if you are aware, um, that's half the battle. It's it's the ignorance and lack of understanding about the obvious that I think some people have or, or, or that acts as a, um, as a reason for decline for most, right? But when you're talking about like, yo, I, I, I know what I need to do and that's what I want to do. I think that's big. And ultimately, man, it's, it's, it's another win for you, right? It's another, it's another triumph. If you have set goal and you now going, okay, this, I'm conquering all these things, but now I want to conquer this thing. I want to, I want to do this. I'm going to spend set time and doing that. I think you, you would, you would, you would do so much for the world of, of health and wellness by just dedicating yourself to a change. That doesn't mean becoming a bodybuilder. That doesn't mean walking out with 200 pounds off of what you are now. That just means having a, a change that, that makes you happy. Like 70 pounds, that's nothing to, that's nothing to shoulder shrug. That's a lot. That's a, oh, that's was, a big was, thing, man. That's a big thing, you. Gabe. Good for you, dude. Good for fucking you. This is why I like doing this podcast. I like doing a podcast because I walk away just with more of an understanding about the people that I somewhat understand, um, but I don't know enough about. And it just, it really just makes you respect your peers more. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's refreshing, man. And I think anything that you really put your mind to, there's no reason why you can't do it. There's no reason why you can't do it. And you want to talk about the business side, Gabe? Well, let me tell you about the business that will come your way just to be a part of any initiative that you set out for yourself. If you set out on the journey in the health and wellness space, there's no world you can't get a brand to team up with and, and, and to be a part of your journey so you can act as an example you know, for other people that are struggling with the same thing. You can make it a business. It can be a part of your business, another partner, uh, a tour sponsor. I mean, that's how you start to connect those dots, you know, and that's something that I do very well. You know, I align those brand partnerships with the opportunities that I have coming up. How do we make it make sense together? So that's something that you should think about for sure. For sure, for sure. Mm. Thank you. Fucking fluffy. God damn it, people. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. You know, just for, just the fluff. It's it's and and what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do when you lose more weight and and the fluff isn't as fluffy as it used to be? Spend the money, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can't leave all this money to my kid who doesn't understand opportunity. <laughs> set fire to Grace Mexican Graceland. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, hey, man, can, I, can I take two seconds to uh, to just uh, acknowledge that that show you did, man? I, I saw it. Uh, true story, oh, man. Thank you. thank you, man. I am. I'm rarely 
envious of an idea, but man, I'm like, wow. Thank you, man. What a way to what a way to take something that you're doing and 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 put a, a complete flip to it where I I, I was hooked. After Thank you, that man. first episode, and if, if anybody, if you guys haven't seen this, it's it's. I'm not trying to kiss your ass, Kev. We're at the end of this thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just want to. I just want to say that I was so impressed by it because it's an opportunity to see you in a light that I don't think, you know, uh, when you did that movie with um, uh, Cranston. Yeah, upside. Uh, yeah, that was okay. That was that was uh, a look into a, a different version of what you've been doing, mm-hmm. which has been very successful. But man, to take the world that you're in now and, and highlight certain things and then show how how crazy it can get, mm-hmm. um, man, I was very, very um, blown away by it. You see, very blown like, away, very, very impressed. Thank you, man. Uh, I like the fact that you also showed certain things in there, like the thing with fans. You know, everyone thinks that, oh, you know, as, as artists, fans are always right. Fans are always, you know, on point. Fans are always good. And there's certain times where fans, they're they're not always, you know, they're not always the best. They're not always not the always most pleasant. The no, not and, at all. And, and, you know, we do our best to try to please everyone, try to make sure everyone has a great experience, has fun, feels welcome. Um, but there are certain times where lines do get crossed. And unfortunately, you know, I feel like there's always a sense of entitlement with with uh, with certain people because they feel like they know you. Yeah. Like, they, like I had a guy that would come to my shows and he'd say, he'd say, I don't come here to watch your show. I come here to see you. And he said it in such a way where it scared me. And I'm like, um, and he'd always wait in the meet and greets and he just wait at the end. And he's just like, I just needed to see you. And it's like, um, I don't know what to say. You know, like, yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah. So it's kind of like, Oh, and you never want to be mean to anyone. You never want to say, Hey man, come on. What the hell are you doing? Well, that's the biggest thing. The biggest thing for us is as as personalities, like we are we're genuinely nice people. We're very nice people. And I think sometimes there's a fear in not being nice. There's a, there's a fear in being unpleasant and what's that per, what is that perceived as? So there's a there's like an um there's an over there's like an overextended attempt and hey, how you doing, man? Hey, good to meet you guys. Hey, it's like, you know, it's like always just trying to be a great representation of what people see and 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 who they believe that we are and sometimes sometimes it becomes a lot when people expect above and beyond what you're already going above and beyond to do um do you feel like have you ever been at a point where you felt like this is enough like okay it's getting ridiculous and maybe i should step back for a second yes um you know i i always want to make sure like you know, there's been certain people I've met in the past where I'm like, they could have been nicer. What's, you know, what's, what the hell, man? How come, you know, you're this way over here, but you're not this way here. But then you get into that position and you realize you can't have an amazing day every day and mm-hmm. you can only do your best. And sometimes, sometimes you're having an off day, you know, and I never want to give anybody a bad experience, but I'm, I'm very much a, uh, a person who's reactive. So if someone comes at me with good energy, man, I return that energy and then some. But if somebody comes at me wrong, you know, I, I can be a dick. I can be an asshole. I can be an unpleasant person. And mm-hmm. I don't like saying that, but I, you know, I will give back what I'm being given. And so mm-hmm. there has been a couple of times where people came at me a certain way. And I'm like, no, dude, you can't. How are you just going to say that? You know, one guy said, I own you. And I'm like, 
the fuck you do? You don't own me just because you yeah. bought a ticket. I go, I'm happy to take a picture if you'd like me to sign something. But, you know, like, you know, the fact that I wouldn't go with these people to a bar or I wouldn't hang out. Hey, come to my car. I want you to get in my car and check it out. I don't feel comfortable getting in your car or going somewhere. With, I don't know you. But sometimes there's that. Yes. yes. There's a sense of entitlement. It's that, like, it's that sense of entitlement as to what mm-hmm. I feel you're supposed to do. You, you, you you're supposed to go and do these things. But, you know, the older, the older we get, the more direct we are with honesty. You know, I mean, I got to a point where I used to do the meet and greets. I used to do all that stuff. And then I, I kind of stopped because, you know, they got, they got, they started getting odd. Right. They started getting exactly what you're talking about. They started getting a little odd. And, you know, you just had to, a little odd. You know, I'm small. So they get a little physical with me. Can I, can I pick you up? No. Can I, hey, man, come here, man. Let me, let me put you on my shoulders and take, no, big guy. No, I'm grown. I'm a fucking grown man. You're not putting me on your goddamn shoulders. Absolutely not. Um, so after I took the picture on the shoulders, I said, <laughs> that that's my, my last, last time. time, right? I think that's my last, said, that's my last one. I'm not doing this no more. Yeah. I looked around. I said, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, but do you find yourself, are you still finding joy in comedy? Are you still happy and excited about hitting the stage or, or do you have the moments of fuck man, another show or back at it again? Has it, has it, does it get to that space of like, um, redundant or are you still pumped you know what i mean where, where are you at mentally with the craft you know what uh you know this is coming up on year 25 for me and Damn. i was having this conversation with the audience the other day where i says you know what i says i feel like i've been doing this for so long i don't i don't want you guys to think that when i say it's it's great to be here i'm i'm, I'm you know uh, i love the fact that i'm, I'm doing the show and, and i appreciate you guys you know buying tickets and coming out to support but i feel like i've been doing it so long that a lot of the things became routine where yes, it, it was redundant where you, you find yourself, like I said the exact same thing. And I think after a while, and it wasn't that I lost the love or the, or the, the, the passion for it. I just think that it's I had been doing it for so long that it, nothing was changing. And I mm. think that's when COVID happened, COVID was a hell of a reset because, you know, it, it took away what I love. It took away what I love. And I wasn't sure if I was going to get it back. You know, I, you know, I'm, I'm watching, you know, people pull off internet shows where they're performing for screens. And I'm like, is that, is that where this is going to go? Or they're in uh, parking lots uh, doing uh, drive-in movie theaters and, and the, you know, they're performing for cars and windshields and headlights. And I'm like, is this where it's going to go? You know? And so the fact that I can be back in the venues that I was, you know, two years ago, and it's at the same level, I tell the crowd, I go, I apologize for, for taking certain things for granted. And it feels amazing to be back here because I didn't think I'd, I'd have this opportunity again. Sometimes you need a little refresher. Sometimes you need to get shaken up in order to remember, man, you know what? This is special. This, this, what you have here is, is, is not something that just anyone can have. And, and don't take it for granted. Don't take it lightly. I love being on stage. I, I can be on stage forever. It's my comfortable place. It's my safe space. And um, again, having it taken away from me made me love it that much more. And now I'm just like, man, this is all I want to do. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know when it's gonna go away if it ever goes away. But I, I just want to enjoy it as much as possible. That's so dope. And that's why, that's why I say that the health, man. I go, I got to make sure that I can, you know, still, still get on the planes. I can handle the blood pressure and the altitude, and make sure I can get up in front of the crowds and and have the energy and and do, you know, be able to perform. You're spot on, man. You're just spot on with with 
not only the things you say, but just your mindset once again towards the craft. And, you know, uh, that if nothing else, I said it before in this podcast, this pandemic, it took the one thing that we took for granted away. And it was the the fans, the opportunity to perform live and, and provide laughter. Right. And what we think that we're doing um, and 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 our reason behind it uh, is, hey, man, we're just giving the fans some good shows. We didn't realize how much it meant to us too like that there was a big void myself included of like fuck i missed the laugh i missed the stage i missed the microphone yeah. like you all of that stuff you just took for granted so I, I i definitely um i'm i'm on your side um with your statement i feel the same way and i felt the same way and you know when you just talk about your health it's 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 just about being around to enjoy what you worked hard to build Right. Don't don't lessen the opportunities or, or, or the chances for more because you don't seem like you're done. You're talking about fucking performing at the goddamn Dodger Stadium. You're talking about the biggest special ever. Uh, you're talking about achieving new success. You're still on the road. You're you're talking about goddamn the Mexican Graceland. I mean, you don't seem like you're done. You seem like you, you really do have your eyes on the prize. And, you know, Gabe, I think the world is a better place with you in it. You just a you're a fucking great spirit, dude. You're a great personality, and we don't talk and see each other all the time. But when I do see you, I get nothing but that motherfucker there is doing it right. He's doing it right. Like you're you're happy. You're doing it right. You're focused. You stay in your lane. You stay out the way. Ain't nobody bothering you. You ain't bothering nobody. You do your job at a very high level, man. And your your fan base is proof of what happens when you just put your head down and work hard. You grind. And, you know, the the whole idea behind who you are and the brand that's attached to you, it's it's not only deserved, man, it's uh it's necessary. Cause you fucking put in the work, dude. You put in the work. So I, I, I love that you just are aware. I love that you are self-aware as well as professionally aware. You just you just seem to have your head on so so right, man. And you know I can't wait. I can't wait till Mother's Day. Uh, I can't wait to see and hear um, not only that you achieve said goal, but that the response was nothing short of amazing because I know it will be. Dude, you're a fucking rock star, and I gotta say thank you, thank you for coming on Comedy Gold Mines, man. Where we do what, people? Get inside the minds of amazing comedians. And oh my God, today, what an amazing mind we had the opportunity to get into. We got into the mind of Gabriel Iglesias. That's right, Fluffy, the brand. Not just the comic, the fucking business and the brand. 80,000 of these fucking things, man. I can't believe it. He's, where's it at? Where, where are they at? You gotta, you gotta sign one and give it to me. Yes. you. Listen, I, I swear to you, man, my, my guys are on. If you could just sign one personally to me, uh, I, I'll keep it. It's something that I want to keep as a keepsake, dude. I, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a friend. I'm a fan. And I'm an admirer of what you've done. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. So dope. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. You've been fucking taught. God damn, I need to fucking make a toy. What am I doing? Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald.
If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.